You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Andy Fidock. Today's reading is from 2 Peter 1, 11 to 21. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human world. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week we began our series on 2 Peter, Always Remember. And Joel began sharing with us that in this letter we're looking at, that Peter encouraged us to live a godly life. And that through Jesus, God has actually given us everything we need to do just that. Through the power and promises of God, uh, we have our freedom. It's been paid for in in full by the blood of Jesus. I really loved the image that Joel used to help us try to understand this. He talked about a time that his car got covered in dents by a hailstorm. But fortunately, the insurance paid for it to get fixed in full. But uh, Joel still had to take his car to the mechanic to actually get fixed. Jesus gives us everything we need to live a godly lives. No longer controlled by sin because he paid for that in full. But just like Joel still had to take his car into the mechanic to actually get fixed, we still need to cooperate and ask the Holy Spirit to keep transforming us. So as we enter into this next part of 2 Peter today, We read that Peter is extremely passionately saying, remember, remember all these things that I'm telling you. So before we jump in, I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for um, your holy scriptures in the Bible. We thank you that we get to read from them and to understand you better and your story. And thank you that we are invited to be part of that. Amen.
I've grown up going to church. To be exact, I've grown up going to this church, St. John's. And to be perfectly honest with you, sometimes where I'm sitting where you are and I'm watching the speaker give a talk, and they start to get to the bit where they talk about Jesus dying on the cross and three days later raising from the dead, uh, defeating death, having new life uh, so that we can have eternal life. I feel myself going a bit like, yeah, yeah, I know this bit. I've heard that bit before. Can you just get back to the bit that I don't know? Or maybe tell us another interesting story from your life. Oh, sorry, Kirk and Tim. Uh, I wonder if maybe you can relate to that ever. And of course, it's not always like this. You know, sometimes you get to church and the message of God's goodness and His truth just hits you differently. Maybe you've rocked up after having one of those shocking weeks where you just can't seem to do anything right. You feel like you're failing at school. Or you keep making mistakes at work and you feel really bad about lashing out at your family recently. And the message of grace that you hear, that you are loved, you have been forgiven, you have been chosen, all because of Jesus, because of nothing that you've done. Even though you've heard it hundreds of times before, that message just hits you differently. Perhaps actually you're new to church. Maybe this is the first time that you've been watching someone talk about Jesus. Or just recently you decided to become a follower of Jesus. And this message of hope that we have in Jesus' story uh, is intriguing and new and life-changing. So every time you hear someone talk about it at the moment, you're like, yes, this is so, so good. Tell me again. The thing is that being a follower of Jesus is not actually about the first time you hear the good news about Him. And it's also not about the time that it hits you the hardest or you feel it the most. Sometimes we can get into the kind of mentality of like, oh, okay, so I've been baptized, right? So I can tick off the God box and I don't need to think about Him ever again. Or maybe I go to church at Easter and I think about Jesus then. That's enough, right? Like I don't need to remember it all the time. But if we take a look at our reading today in 2 Peter, what, two, what Peter says uh, about remembering what Jesus has done is not like that at all. If we start at verse 12, he says, So I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I'll soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. He says over and over again in these three passages, remember, remember, remember. Peter's saying, I already know that you know these things. I actually know that you've been firmly established in this truth. I know you know this stuff, but I want to keep reminding you anyway. I, at the moment, I'm studying to become an occupational therapist. And if you don't know what that is and you see me on the street or at church one day, I'd love for you to come up and ask me because it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Uh, but recently in my studies doing occupational therapy, I got to learn a bit more about human memory and our minds. And it made me really think about this passage that we've been looking about at where Peter is like, remember, remember, remember. I learned that when we learn something for the very first time, for example, like hearing the good news about Jesus, it is only stored in our short-term memory for about 20 seconds. Then, if that information isn't thought out about again and again, it just disappears. It's lost from our mind. 
It's only when we learn something over and over and we continue to recall it and apply that information that it moves to our long-term memory. When our knowledge of what Jesus has done for us and what that means for our lives moves into our long-term memory, that's when it has the power to change the decisions we make, the actions we do each day. Peter doesn't want his listeners to hear the freedom and truth about Jesus just once and then forget about it. He wants to constantly be reminding them and telling them to remember themselves so that day by day they can be living out the truth that they have in Jesus. So that, as we looked at last week, we can keep growing in goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection and love. Remembering what Jesus has done, it helps us to keep motivated because we remember that through the Holy Spirit that we have been given, God is going to continue to transform us, keep making us into more and more who He created us to be. Remembering what Jesus has done also provides us with peace and comfort because we remember when how Jesus died for us, that it wasn't anything we did. It wasn't because we deserve it, but just because God loves us. That is a great thing for us to remember when things aren't going so well. Because when things are going well in our lives, uh, we might not take much notice of the peace and comfort that Jesus gives us by remembering what he's done. But it's actually through remembering in those good times that you start to build a solid foundation of trusting God. So when hard times do hit, like a global pandemic or sickness or illness in your family or someone passing away or just a really dodgy week, you can have hope and comfort in the foundation that you have already built in your trust in Jesus from remembering when the times are good. But how do we remember? I've asked a few people from St. John's the question, what is the way, what is a way that you remember what Jesus has done in your life? So we're going to watch that now. A way that I remember what Jesus has done is through communion. As a teenager, I went to my first communion service and I didn't know what was happening. My brain didn't understand, but my heart did. And over the years, I've found communion a really, really special time. Um, well, going to church and reading the Bible and having dad as the minister. The way that I remember what Jesus has done is by going to life group and getting into really deep conversations about his word. So one of the ways I like to remember what God's done is um, by reading the Bible and yeah, just seeing the different ways that God acted amongst the people. When I'm out in nature and I just look at these beautiful creations over the fields, over where you're running, where you're walking. I wonder also, how do you remember what Jesus has done in your life? In verse 13 and 14, if we keep going now, Peter lets the recipients of his letter know that soon he's actually going to die. Peter describes his body as being like a tent that will soon be set aside. He's not saying that when we die, we become a formless spirit floating around without a body. Not at all. Peter was actually one of the guys that got to see Jesus in his physical body after he rose from the dead. The kind of bodies that we're told that we will raise again to have a body as well. What Peter is actually doing by describing his body as a tent is he's just saying this life is temporary and fleeting. It's not a firm, strong building. It's actually soon going to pass away. I'm not going to be here for much longer. 
when we keep this in mind that Peter believes he's going to die soon, we remember that he, it's not just like a, a waggy letter where he's wag- <laughs> it's not like he's wagging his finger in this letter and just saying, kids, listen to what God has done. Done. Don't you go forgetting any of this stuff. It's more like he's saying, friends, my life is going to be over soon. And if it's the last thing I do, I want it to be reminding you of the goodness and the truth that you have in Jesus. This is his final message, like his legacy in this letter. In fact, in fact, uh, it's his message, the fact that he is a Christian and he wants to share the good news about Jesus that got him killed. Biblical historians reckon that Peter was executed pretty shortly after he wrote this letter by the emperor at the time, Nero. Nero was a guy that did not like Christians at all. Uh, It's actually said that he often uh, tortured and mocked Christians at their death because he didn't like the way that Christians just weren't participating in the society that he had set up. And he just didn't like that at all. Peter was so confident in this message that he wants us to remember that he was willing to die for it. But how can we also be so confident in this message? Peter goes on in our passage today to actually give us two reasons of how we can be confident in what Jesus has done. The first is that there are eyewitnesses to God's majesty. The second is that there is a prophetic message that Peter describes as being completely reliable. So we're going to start with the eyewitness accounts. Beginning at verse 16, Peter says, If we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. Peter's actually referencing a story from his own life of a time uh, when he was with Jesus. He was actually a disciple of Jesus, so one of the guys that followed him around and learnt from him as he taught. This is an account that you can find in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke, all parts of the Bible in the New Testament part of the Bible uh, that is the accounts of Jesus' life that we can read. So, to set the scene, about a week before this story, Jesus has told his disciples Uh, that he's going to have to die and suffer terrible things. So the disciples are probably trying to reckon with this information at the moment, trying to be like, our Messiah, our teacher, he says he has to die? Like, what's that about? So Peter and two other disciples, James and John, go on a walk with Jesus. And they start hiking up a mountain. And they go pretty high because Jesus wants to be where no one else is. They can be fully alone. While they're up on this mountain, Peter and the other disciples look on at Jesus and suddenly his face begins to shine, radiant like the sun, and his clothes go pure white in front of them. Disciples are just like looking on as this happens. And then suddenly, uh, from out of nowhere, Moses and Elijah, prophets from hundreds of years ago that these disciples would have read about in the Holy Scriptures since they were kids, Uh, These two prophets just rock up and stand and start chatting to Jesus before their eyes. Can you imagine the disciples like, what is going on? Like, what are we witnessing? Their eyes are probably glued to this scene in front of them. And then to top it off, suddenly a cloud surrounds them, a bright cloud, and they hear a voice out of nowhere say, This is my son, whom I love. 
With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is a crazy thing for them to be eyewitnesses to. I wonder if you've ever been an eyewitness to something before. One of those things where it sounds so crazy when you try to explain it to anyone else, be like, no, I'm serious. I saw it with my own eyes. I was asking my life group about that uh, this week and if they had any examples of it. And a member of my life group shared that one time they're on a beach mission, which is a time where you go away for usually for a couple of weeks and you'd share the love with Jesus with people on holiday near the beach. Anyway, everyone was having a rest at the end of the day. They'd had a really big day. They're all lying around. Um, she was one of, they were just lying in the girl's kind of sleep area. And this girl comes over and she's like, she's one of the girls on the beach mission. She goes over to a leader and she says, could you just pray for me? Like my ankle's really sore. It was swollen. Everyone could see the bruising around it. She like lifts up her hands. She's like, oh, it's just really bugging me. Could you pray for it? And the leader is still lying on her mattress in the room. She's like, yeah, sure, I'll pray. She goes, Lord, could you please take away the swelling and bruising? We just pray that uh, this person's foot would be completely healed. We trust you, God. And then all the girls in the room are looking as she prays at this girl's foot and in front of their eyes, the swelling disappears. The foot goes back to the same normal size for this person. All the bruising is gone. And all the girls in the room, she's like, everyone was just like, ah, like screaming, like, this is so exciting. What just happened? And people came rushing. They're like, why are you guys screaming? And they're like, we were just eyewitnesses to the most crazy thing. Let us tell you how God just healed our friend's foot. So in our letter today, what Peter is saying is he's saying, I'm not making this Jesus stuff up. I actually saw it with my own eyes. When I was up on the mountain with my friends, we heard the literal voice of God tell us that Jesus is his son and that we need to listen to him. These are not our cleverly devised stories at all. What we know about Jesus are our eyewitness accounts. You see, if I was Peter and I was going to make up a cleverly devised story about Jesus, it would be pretty different from the truth that we actually read about in the Bible. As I said, just a week before this hectic mountain experience, Jesus had just told his experience, um, told his disciples that he was going to have to die and suffer terrible things. When he said this, Peter, the disciple, actually said, no, Jesus, you can't die. Please, this cannot happen to you. And Jesus actually rebuked him. You see, Peter didn't understand that God's plan wasn't to come and abolish abolish the Roman rule. It wasn't for Jesus to come and build an army to set his chosen people free. Instead, Jesus came to show that he was a ruler of an upside down kind of kingdom. The kind of kingdom welcome to absolutely everyone, no matter who you are or what you've been through where the poor people get lifted up, where those who are usually considered outcasts because of social situation or disability, they get invited into the center of the story, where orphans get to be part of a family. Then ultimately on the cross, Jesus did the most upside down thing yet. God's own son, the only perfect person to ever live. He died in our place for our evil doing. So that we get to be raised to new life, that we get to be children of God with Jesus. This isn't a cleverly devised story at all. This is a revolutionary message of hope. So Peter helps us to see that we can be confident in what Jesus has done because of these eyewitnesses accounts that we hear about in the Bible. Also because of prophecy. In verse 19, it says, We also have the prophetic message 
as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the beginning, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have a prophetic message that brings hope like a light in the darkness until Jesus returns again. So what is a prophetic message? Well, prophecy is a word used in the Bible to describe when someone is given a message from God to declare his purposes. Often in the Old Testament, what this looked like was God giving his prophets, uh, his spokespeople, a message to tell his chosen people uh, to turn away from their sin and to turn back to God. Other times, prophets would give messages of peace and comfort when God's chosen people were suffering or in trouble. Sometimes prophecy also included God's purpose for future events. So prophets would speak God's word, foretelling what was to come. And throughout the Old Testament scriptures, uh, we see countless of prophecies of what God was going to do for his chosen people and some about there ultimately being a Messiah to come and rescue them. These are prophecies that Jesus ultimately fulfilled when he came, when he died and was rose again and his ministry on earth. That Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of so many of God's plans and promises. If we go look at verse 20 and 21 now, it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The prophets didn't just look at the world around them and make up their own interpretations of what they thought God thought about it. They actually were given uh, messages from God themselves and that God himself and that is what they were declaring. In fact, many of the prophets actually didn't want to speak from God or they didn't feel like they were up to the job. An example of one of these prophets is a man named Jeremiah who we read him saying that he curses the very day that he was born because he doesn't want to have to declare God's purposes anymore because he's getting treated awfully. He's being ridiculed every day. But he says that when I try and keep this message that God has said in my heart and I try and just like close my mouth, I'm like, I'm done, God, I don't want to say it anymore. He says his heart burns like a fire and he says he just has to let out God's message. Jeremiah, like Peter, is also not making up cleverly devised stories. He's speaking from God. Amongst Jeremiah's own prophecies are truths that he would have had no idea that hundreds of years later would ultimately be filled, fulfilled in Jesus. For example, Jeremiah writes about how God is going to make a new covenant, covenant with his people, one where it is written on their hearts, where all people get to have the opportunity to be God, part of God's story, when the, where the least to the greatest are going to be invited in. And this was realized in Jesus. The New Testament part of the Bible, so from Jesus onward, is also full of prophecies, some spoken actually by Jesus himself, saying that Jesus is actually going to return again. One day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to be the uh, true king and ruler over all things and bring a suffering to all, bring an end to all suffering. While we wait for Jesus to return the second time, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This same spirit that Peter says carried the prophets along as they spoke from God. This is a very incredible gift that God has given us. There's a story in the book of Luke in the Bible that I just keep thinking about since Easter when I've been thinking about um, prophecy. 
And it's a story when after Jesus was raised, rose from the dead, he actually went on another walk with some of his disciples. And this particular walk, he spends the walk explaining to them the stuff in the Old Testament scriptures that referred to him. He's like, this is all the parts that I fulfill. This is what God's plan was doing. And this is why I came and I had to do what I did, how I suffered and I died. I highly recommend you actually look at this story yourself because I find it quite funny the way that God actually goes about doing that. But when I think of this story, it makes me think about how just like Jesus walked alongside his disciples and helped them to understand the scriptures, we can also invite the Holy Spirit to come alongside us and help us to understand the Bible, to look at what it says and ask her, what does this mean about who Jesus is? What does that mean for me and what my life should be like? We can also ask the Holy Spirit to help us when we don't understand something. Maybe someone says something up the front at church and it doesn't sit right or you're confused and it doesn't fit with other things that you know about God. The Holy Spirit is someone we can ask to help. This same Spirit can help us to declare God's purposes in the world around us. We can ask God that like Jeremiah, the hope that we have, the truth that God has shared to us would burn like a fire in our hearts, that we would have to tell the world around us the good news so that everyone can have the same hope and comfort and joy that we get to have knowing Jesus. We can be confident in the truth and freedom that we have in Jesus because we have eyewitness accounts and also because of the prophecy of scripture we have that Jesus has fulfilled. As we go into our weeks, into our lives now, I want to leave you with the same message that Peter gives us in this letter. Remember, remember, remember. Keep remembering what God has done, that through the Holy Spirit, God wants to keep transforming us to be more and more like Jesus. Keep remembering that through Jesus, you can have peace and comfort because of what he did for you. That means that when times get tough, you can have confidence in the firm foundation that you have built in him. People earlier shared when we showed some videos how they remember what Jesus has done in their life. So I want to leave you right now with the question. How do you remember what Jesus has done in your life? Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.